So Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has carried out his fourth cabinet reshuffle since taking power back in 2012. He seemingly tried to maintain stability with the view being that he's going to try to shake up the constitution on the back of that. Uh, It comes about a week since his meeting with President Moon Jae-in when the South Korean leader hinted at disbanding a foundation set up by funds provided by Tokyo for Korean victims of Japan's wartime sexual enslavement. goes back to that so-called 2015 comfort women deal. Professor Shin Hebong, who specialises in international human rights law at Aoyama Gakuin University in Tokyo, now joins us in the line. And thank you for taking the time. Good morning to you. Good morning. (laughs) As an expert in international law... Do you find the the Seoul-Tokyo deal to actually be legally binding? It is legally valid as an intergovernmental agreement, but we have to look at the whole picture of the problem. That is, sexual enslavement of women was committed by the Japanese army and the government, which is an egregious violation of human rights. And the question was how to deal with the reparation of such violation of rights that have remained unsettled by the 1965 claim agreement. And I think it was, in fact, remarkable that the Japanese government concluded the 2015 agreement because the position of the Japanese government was that the issue had already been settled by the 1965 agreement. But obviously, the issue of comfort women was hardly raised in those days. And it was much later, in the 1990s, that the issue attracted international attention by the lawsuit filed by a victim. Before that, the Japanese government kept on saying that the women were dragged by private businesses. And I think the conclusion of the 2015 agreement itself demonstrated that the Japanese government recognized the fact that the reparation had not been settled in substance. That said, it is clear that the 2015 agreement is far from satisfactory to resolve the issue, and it is even retrogressive that the 1993 Kono statement by the Chief Cabinet Secretary Kono in that it doesn't mention the efforts of taking the lessons of history and engraving the facts through history education. You've got a really interesting background from which to offer your view, uh, not only as an expert, as a person, naturalized Japanese, born in Japan to Korean parents. What do you make of President Moon's stance here, disbanding the foundation, but also suggesting he won't try to renegotiate the deal? Is that contradictory? Is it a good approach in resolving the issue, in your opinion? Um, it is apparent that the foundation has not been functioning due to opposition from the victims as well as public opinion. And I understand that disbanding it may be a possible option for the Korean government. It doesn't make sense to operate a foundation which is not supported by the surviving victims. Right. But how do you forecast the process to proceed from here? Um, we can, of course, expect a response from the Japanese government. And the response from Japan will be that the Korean does not honor the Korea-Japan agreement. But in my opinion, the agreement itself was defective and has not resolved the issue of reparation. While Japan recognized its responsibility, it denied that it was legal responsibility. So we stick to its position that legal responsibility was settled by the 1965 agreement. Would you say it's difficult or even impossible for the two sides to actually resolve this diplomatically? Um, diplomatic efforts could be and should be made, But from the perspective of addressing a serious human rights violation, they have to be victim-oriented because it was rights and and interests proper to individuals that was trampled. And I think the Japanese government is doubly responsible for the victims, not only for having abused them as comfort women during the war, 
but also for having neglected them for decades after the war. Many survivors have lived in physical pain, trauma, and shame, and have even been degraded as liars by Japanese right-wing politicians and citizens who want to deny Japan's involvement. That is why human rights treaty bodies, such as the Human Rights Committee and the Committee Against Torture, have considered that they suffer from continuous human rights violation, even though initial human rights violation itself occurred before these human rights treaties were made, and urged Japan to take measures. And and I guess that's also why there's so much emphasis on this Abe administration offering recognition through an apology. Exactly. But those who argue Japan's done its part already um, through past apologies, through offering monetary compensation, what can you tell us about that history? Well, in the 1990s, when the Kono Statement was issued, Japan created the Asian Women's Fund to collect donations from Japanese citizens and the government also provided money designed for health care of survivors. A letter of apology was also issued. Some received them, but others refused, as the money was, again, not compensation for the legal responsibility, but an expression of sympathy. Yeah, it's complicated, to say the least. Prime Minister Abe, though, is the longest-serving Japanese prime minister, recently carried out a cabinet reshuffle, as I mentioned briefly before, replacing 13 out of 19 figures, some of whom are known to be right-wing politicians. What does that mean for this issue? It is very unfortunate, but the nomination of ministers is in line with Prime Minister Abe's own convictions and policies. We can't expect otherwise as long as he stays in power. But I should add that the ruling LDP does not really enjoy active support from the majority of the people. The current electoral system is primarily a small constituency system by which we choose only one candidate in one electoral area, which works favorably for an established big party than emerging opposing parties. In the latest election of the lower house, the LDP took less than half of all the votes in number, but it ended up occupying more than 70% of all seats. This is not normal, and we have to come up with a better electoral system with more seats through proportional representation. You yourself are involved in the education system as, a, as an educator now, but you were previously uh, presumably a student in Japan. What's the perception like for, for young people uh, when they're growing up learning about this history? Um, actually, the issue of comfort women is nowadays hardly mentioned in school textbooks. So I should say that many young people simply don't know anything about it. They have just heard the word of comfort woman, but don't know any substance of the issue, unfortunately. There's this um, military event set to take place on Jeju Island and great controversy about Japan potentially flying again. It's a famous rising sun flag with the, the bands of light coming out from the central circle. What... What would be your view on that, for example? Does that, again, just hammer home this great difference in opinion on how to recognize the past? Um, I think that is very problematic. And I think Japan should at least consider that the sentiment of the Korean people and the government, because it was a flag you know, used during the, the colonial period. I think that that's the least thing that Japan should do. But we are talking about a, a few very conservative government officials. And the danger would be to, to put that on the Japanese people at large, who, who as you said, there, there might not be that awareness. Do, do you have hope based on the people that you see around you that 
in the longer run, we can reach a more friendly agreement on this? Um, we have to make more efforts in the area of school education, especially. I'm, and I'm doing my part of efforts in my, my classes in my university, but that is not sufficient, of course. Understand. And it, I, I know that uh, it must be challenging for you on a daily basis there, but thank you for sharing more about your efforts with us today. Oh, welcome. My pleasure.